Thank you, Jack. Thank you, team. And good morning. How are you all? Good? Good. Yes. And I bet you're even better now for being in church. Come on. Amen. I love coming to church. It's just fun. And you get to hang out with cool people. And uh, you feel better about yourself too. Uh, Because everyone smiles at you and just asks you how you're doing and things like that. And I love that. Uh, I especially love standing at the door and trying to welcome as many of you in as possible. And uh, just hugs, handshakes, smiles, stuff like that. Vocky, he, he agrees. It's good, isn't it? It's good. Yes. Is it even better now that you're married? Life's just better, hey? <laughs> Vocky's like, yes. Amen. Andy, you're always smiley. Always gives me a handshake when he comes in through the door. And uh, everyone tries to say hello to each other and get a few hellos in before because sometimes you don't get them in after as well. But uh, thank God for free coffee. Amen? Because it creates a line. And, uh, and then while you're waiting, you get to chat. And that's always good. So uh, anyways, I'm excited to be back. And uh, I'm excited for those getting baptised. Well done on you if you're getting baptised today. It's an incredible faith step. It's commanded by Jesus. It was exampled by Jesus. And uh, I'm excited to be baptising some of you guys today. And, uh, as Jack said, uh, I am preaching on Acts because I told you all uh, before I went on holidays that I wanted to do Acts for the end of the year because that's what I felt God give me in prayer time. And uh, we're going to be starting in Acts chapter 10 today. So if you've got Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 10. Otherwise, I have prepared them for you on the screen so you can just follow along. But uh, my title for the message today that God has given me is Your Heart's Desire. Your Heart's Desire. And uh, it's going to be a message about spiritual hunger about developing, creating, cultivating godly desires, a godly hunger in our life. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is life-giving, it's encouraging, it is restoring. God, I thank you that when we read it, when we preach it, Lord God, when we discuss it, Lord, when we question things, Lord, we get closer to you. We become more like you. And God, that's my prayer this morning, Lord, that we would walk out having experienced you in a tangible way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Many years ago, uh, I went with one of my younger brothers to Mexico to do uh, mission work. And uh, I was super excited. Uh, It was a guy uh, called David Hogan. Uh, Some of you might have heard of his ministry. Uh, Some of you might not have. Anyways, a legend of the faith and uh, a bit of a psycho too. Uh, but you have to be if you're going to be a missionary in Mexico. And uh, just phenomenal what God uses all of the uh, 17 missionary families that were there when, when Nathan and I went there. And uh, it's just an, it was an awesome experience. But moving and challenging because it's, it's life and death. Like the, 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 the day we get there... Uh, we're then getting put in these cars and we're getting uh, taken to uh, someone's home for a funeral service because three days prior, one of, uh, one of his uh, head local pastors had been executed and uh, uh, 
he'd flown back over from, from uh, wherever he was uh, at that time, uh, rallying support for the mission uh, to do this funeral. And it just was like, oh man, straight into it. There, there, was, there was no like easing in to the mission trip. This was, this was hitting the ground, running. And uh, it didn't stop the whole time. We were there for almost two months. And uh, it's just crazy. It's a whole different world all around different places. And uh, it, it reminded me, as I was preparing for this message, of these people that I encountered that uh, we'd driven multiple hours and uh, we get to this village and uh, four-wheel drive up this, what they consider a road, uh, into this village and we get out and we go into this home and uh, there's stuff hanging over this clothesline uh, and I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm like, that, that's meat, that's weird. And, I, and, and I'm, you know, you get served drinks and you, muchas gracias, muchas gracias. And, uh, and you just say, thank you very much, thank you very much. And you just eat and drink whatever is put before you, no questions asked. And that was the rule of the missionaries. You had to eat it no matter what. You had to drink it and you had to consume all of it no matter what. And I started to learn why. This particular village ate meat twice a year. And it was when the missionaries came to preach and to worship with them. It's incredible the poverty that's out there. It's incredible the lifestyle that some people endure and are so excited for the Word of God that they, they, they killed a horse and that's what was draped over this clothesline was horse meat because that's all they had this time. But they were so excited for the missionaries had come to bring the Word of God. And it's incredible because they were having a really difficult time in that village at the time because the witch doctor of that region was just going psycho. And uh, it really impacted me, the honour of this, this group of people. Another, another family, uh, I remember going into their house and it was like, it was like, it was like a bedroom size, maybe four by four metres, uh, like, a, like a generous master bedroom. Uh, had two beds uh, neatly laid out. We sat on those um, and they cooked over a fireplace and uh, I have no idea what I ate. Uh, I, I cannot tell you what I ate. I think it was off egg, um, but I couldn't see because there, there was no electricity. It was just the firelight. And, um, but this family was the only family in this particular village that had given their lives to Jesus. And, and they, they had been ostracized. They had been put out. They, they were scraping together whatever they could just to survive to look after them, yet they fed us. And it just, it impacted me. It really affected me. And, uh, but this desperation for something more, this, this, this desire for God, for something more that was out there. One more story. We drove almost eight hours this day uh, uh, in this Dodge Ram. And I'm pretty sure it's the only vehicle on earth that would have survived this journey. Uh, the road was intense. And, uh, and then we go uh, over this uh, bridge to this island. And the bridge had only uh, sort of just been built, apparently. Uh, didn't look like it, but uh, apparently it had just been built for them. And uh, this island uh, had no uh, facilities other than the bridge. Nothing. So that sort of sets the scene. And we get there, long journey. And uh, we go to this house, 
And I'm asking the guy, and, uh, and I'm like, dude, dude, how did you find this guy? And he's like, well, I was just in the local market one day, and I was preaching about Jesus, and this, this guy just wouldn't stop staring at me. And uh, I was like, for real? He's like, yeah, just mesmerized by me. And he's like, I don't know if it was what I was preaching, or if it was just because I looked funny to him, but he's just standing there staring at me the whole time. And then he's the only one that came up to me at the end, and he said, I want Jesus. Obviously, in Spanish, Mex- Mexican Spanish. And uh, I, I forget all my Spanish other than muchas gracias and uh, señor. Uh, Ombrero Jose. I think that's Brother Joseph. Um, <laughs> a little bit of Spanish for you. Uh, so, every, I think it's every seven or eight, I think every seven or eight weeks, this missionary would, would drive all this way to meet with this one man uh, and his, his wife at their home and do church. I was like, this is intense. And, and it, really, it really started, obviously, it would get to anyone, wouldn't it? That, that get, that's probably getting to you now. It got to me. And uh, we get there. Anyway, this guy's out fishing. <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. We waited an hour for this guy <laughs> to fish. Uh, I just thought, man, he's just chilling. He saw us, gave us, gave us a little wave, and then <laughs> kept fishing. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, okay. So we just kicked back on the beach. It wasn't that bad. Uh, and uh, he, he rose in. Uh, doesn't motor, rows, rows in, and, uh, and then proceeds to load all these things, which I later found out was oysters, and I love oysters, uh, into a wheelbarrow, wheeled them up to the house, uh, and uh, didn't come over and take us, so we were just like, oh, I guess we follow him. Uh, so we walked up, and he's cracking them, and he's got lime and chili there, and just starts serving us. And uh, uh, I like oysters again. I used to like oysters before that. But through that experience, it put me off oysters for a little while because it was like one of those buckets, you know, the white ones, that size. Yeah, we got halfway down and he stopped. And I'm like, thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. <laughs> he stopped. And he took one himself. I'm like, oh, we're done. Uh-uh. He just stopped to have one. And then he cracked the remainder of the bucket. And there was three of us. We consumed the entire bucket of oysters. And uh, oysters are nice. But when you eat that many oysters, can I tell you, it was, it was sitting heavy. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't so good. Muscious gracias. Thank you, muscious gracias. And you take it. I have a couple of questions to start my preach this morning for you. Off the back of these stories. What do you want? What are you pursuing? What are your public desires and what are your private desires? What causes you to worry? What are you hungry for? My last question is, are you hungry? My encouragement for you is this, God has so much for us. God has so much for you, so much for you. His way, the blessed way is the best way. His will, His way, it it may not make sense to us, but it's the best And it's the only way that you will live the life that God wants for you is to follow Him, to follow Jesus. And uh, I want to encourage you to have an open heart and a soft heart this morning and allow God to minister to you. And I want to begin reading in Acts chapter 10, verses 1. We're going to go through the story of Acts chapter 10 today. And it's an awesome story because it's a story when the Gentiles received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is super exciting. Acts chapter 10, verse 1, it says this, In Caesarea, 
there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man. He was, and as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming down toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants, and he told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. Now to lay a foundation for the thought around your heart's desire, Cornelius was not a Jew, but he was a God-fearing man and he was devout. He was committed in his relationship. He had a religious commitment towards God and so did his household. But he didn't just have a commitment in prayer or in thought. It was indeed, he was generous, as was his household, to the poor, giving. So it comes from a heart motive, a heart desire. And God sees the prayer and the giving to the poor. He says, because of that, God's got something for you. God's got something good for you. God has more for you than what you already have. Now you think about that. This is Cornelius, a Roman centurion. Not just a soldier, a centurion. Someone who would have had decent wealth. Maybe not super wealthy, but decent wealth. Clearly able to look after his home and his relatives and the people around him who didn't have what he had. But God saw his heart and said, I've got more for you. I've got more for you. The story goes on and uh, God knocks on Peter's door. (laughs) God knocks on Peter's heart. And uh, Peter is away in Joppa, as the story said, and uh, he's gone up onto the rooftop, if you read Acts chapter 10, to pray, to spend some time just to pray and, and just because uh, he's hungry. And uh, it says while a meal was being prepared for him, uh, he just went up to pray. It says that he fell into a trance and he had a vision from God. And this white blanket comes down. And on that blanket is heaps of different animals, wild animals, untamed animals, beasts, all different things. Uh, and I'm sure some of it would have been okay, but some of it would have been a little bit, probably wouldn't eat that. Um, but for a Jew, a Jewish man like Peter, uh, there is a number of things uh, that they could not eat because it was considered unclean. And uh, a voice, the Lord's voice, says to Peter, take and eat. Peter's like, no. It's almost like a default response. No, no, that's unclean. Well, why was it unclean? Who told him it was unclean? What had made it unclean? And through this moment of dialogue with the Lord, God was changing something that had been imposed on Peter, something that might have once been good but was no longer needed. And he said, no, 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 what what I've made clean now is no longer unclean. So what you might have been taught is unclean, what you might believe is unclean, what you might think is unclean is no longer unclean if I have made it clean. 
And, and we can see the, the context of this in Scripture with, with the area of meat because another time Paul said, uh, you know, even if meat has been offered to idols... Now, you think about the, the level of idolatry worship back then, like our idol worship now, it's all hidden. It's all social media and comparison and stuff and money and homes and we compare and we, we worship in idolatry. It's, it's a little bit different nowadays to back then. Back then, it was weird. It was intense. It was like slaughtering and festivals and all this stuff. And uh, they, they were like, they didn't touch that stuff. But Paul said, it doesn't matter because nothing is, is bigger than our God. You can eat it. But if it causes someone weaker to stumble, don't eat. I'd rather not eat meat for the rest of my life. So it's, not, it's not about us. There's a principle in it all. But God is shifting something in Peter's heart here. He's shifting culture. He's shifting generational understanding in this moment through this vision. He says, there's going to be some people that are going to come and I want you to go with them. Even to get Peter to go with these people, they were Gentiles and they were going to invite Peter to come back to this Gentile's home and uh, Peter probably would have said no. No, 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 not for me. And uh, God's like, no, I want you to go with them. And uh, they go and uh, the next day and Peter meets Cornelius and uh, it's... uh, it's a bit of a, a bit of an interesting one because Cornelius just bends down and starts worshiping Peter, and Peter's like grabs him, pulls him up. Hey, hey, hey not me. Uh, I'm just a human. I'm just a man. Don't worship me, because uh, Cornelius hasn't hasn't got the fullness of understanding yet. He believes in God, but he doesn't understand understand it all yet. And so he's just saying, "Well, this is a godly man. This is a this is a holy man. This is this is what you do, isn't it? You worship." And uh, no, no, no. And so he pulls him up, and they start discussing, and. Uh, and then he, he makes this statement. I love this part. And I want to stop here for a minute. Uh, throw this up on the screen. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 to, to 35. Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. I just want to, I just want to take a little sidestep and deal with something uh, for a moment uh, in relation to our heart for humanity. Um, it's the area, and it's the area of defence. Uh, why do we need to defend Australia? Why do we need to defend uh, our nation? Uh, I, I've got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, um, would it be so bad if, <laughs> uh, if we didn't have uh, super crazy, massive, big weapons? Because uh, generally, uh, my understanding of war is if someone shoots something, uh, uh, you can't shoot them back if you don't have a weapon. And uh, it'll be, be over pretty quick, uh, which isn't, isn't a super bad thing. If no one's shooting at you, you generally don't shoot back. Um, and I thought about this. I thought, you know, uh, is it really our nation? Uh, is, is um, you know, uh, uh, are we Australian? Am I Australian? Well, I have a citizenship in Australia. Um, my dad's a citizen in, in England. Uh, he's not a citizen in Australia. <laughs> it's quite funny. Uh, he's just PR. Um, uh, my wife is from Mauritius, um, so she's a citizen in Mauritius. She's also got citizenship in Australia now. Uh, so she's a, she's a child of two countries. Uh, but what about all the people in this room that were born in another country? And you think about it, you don't choose where you're born. I mean, your parents have a little bit to do with that one. <laughs> you have nothing to do with that one. Uh, you're just born where you're born. You have no choice. And you're born a human being. You're not born an Australian. You're born a human. You're not born English. You're born human. Worst case scenario, oh no, lots of people have moved into our country. 
Just imagine if a whole other nation came and lived in Australia. We've got so much land. Honestly, we have 26 million people uh, with a land mass pretty equivalent to Northern America, and they have 330 million people. We, we could probably fit a few more in. Hey, oh, I mean, more friends? <laughs> more people to do life with? Like, more parties? Like, more neighbours? Like, more cities? More cool stuff? Like, more brains? We don't have to fight. But I think we're taught to fight. We're taught to defend. I just want to put it out to you that we're a part of a different kingdom. We're not from this earth. We're from another place. We represent as ambassadors a, a kingdom that, that transcends kings and lords and prime ministers and dictators and nations. We're humans. Maybe a little bit controversial for this morning, but that's okay. I want you to think about that because it's a hard thing. We're not against humans. We love humans. In my opinion, bring them in. It's a lot easier to preach to them. I mean, we just do, we'll transfer all budget to local missions, <laughs> 100% to Australian missions because everyone will be moving to Australia. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, honestly, worst case scenario, it's not so bad. Just imagine a love so great that that could be our world. It's a side thought, but it's a heart thought. I want to move on. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 48. The story goes on. Even as Peter was saying these things, he starts preaching to them. He starts declaring who Jesus is and that they need Jesus. And uh, I like this. Mid-sermon, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Now, Peter also then went on to have a moment of uh, controversy uh, in his ministry because he went back and uh, the Jewish believers back in Israel, Jerusalem, sorry, uh, were like, whoa, you were like with the Gentile. We heard, we found out. <laughs> and uh, you went to their home. You ate with them. Peter's like, yeah, yeah and explained what God had taught him and how God had shifted his mindset, shifted his heart, shifted his culture to recognize that it's not us and them, it's one. It's humanity. Guard your heart above all things. I want to I just dive into the story for a little minute. These people were devout and God-fearing. It said that. So they're hungering after God. Who, who is this God? Who is this Jesus that, that this man, Peter, is preaching to me about? And in that moment, God sends the power of the Holy Spirit, meets them, fills them, baptizes them, gives them an incredible gift loves on them. They received. And they received because their heart was open. They received. Jesus said, a pure heart, blessed are those with pure hearts, that they will see God. God gave them the Holy Spirit. Their heart was ready. They were there. They were hungering. They were desiring. They were wanting what God 
had for them. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And uh, throw up that next slide, because I love, I love this uh, extrapolated verses here from the message version. It says, keep vigilant, watch over your heart. That's where life starts. It's the beginning. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left and leave evil in the dust. Guard your heart above all else. So your heart is it's super important. Cornelius had a good heart and he received good. Earnest prayers, giving to the poor. No hesitation when the angel said, send for Peter. Straight away, two servants, a devout soldier, go get this guy. His name's Peter. He's at Tanner's house called Simon and uh, he, he's going to come and uh, off they went. There's no hesitation, which was obedience because there was a good heart. It's obedient to the word of God. I love that, Acts 10 verse 33, I, I sent for you at once, and it was good of you to come. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, you can see this guy is just so excited to have Peter in his house. He's like, wow, you came, it's so good of you to come. Now that we're all here, waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Church, what makes your heart bad? To have a good heart, we can pray, we can give, we can follow Christ, we can implement the teachings of the gospel message. But what, what gives us a bad heart? Well, bad food, bad things. Makes us unhealthy. As it is physically, so it is spiritually. It weakens you, brings unbalance in your life. Your heart is what your physical body works from. It's a starting place. Sends all the blood and oxygen out to every part of your body. So your heart is super important. Looking after it is really important. Every time you engage with a thought or deed that is wicked, it hurts you. It chips away. It cracks your soul. Thoughts can be really, really powerful. Even the ones that you'll never, ever say. Ones that you think, and you're like, man, baby, I'm taking that one to my grave. No one has ever known about that one. You know, there's some things that we've done or, or said, we're like, mm-mm, until death do I part. <laughs> that one is going to the grave with me. And every time you give in to something that you know isn't good for you, it weakens, it chips away, it affects you. It starts to take a toll on your soul. And the fruit of that starts to become evident. And this is how we can take stock of our heart. Have we become cynical towards the things of God? Cynicism. Cynicism denotes arrogance. It's not nice. And it's not something that should be in a believer's heart. There's no place for that in a believer's life. Or thinking that you're better than someone else. There's no place for that in the believer's life. The signs of a heart that has been affected. 
Bad fruit, bad heart. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. And if it's not, then it's not godly. It's of the flesh. Let's have a look at this in Galatians chapter 5. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited, nor provoke one another, or be jealous of one another. My friends, you and I have a choice every day. And your life right now is a, it's a culmination of all the little decisions that you've made each and every day that create your days, your weeks, your months, your years. Who you are now is based on the decisions that you have made. Sometimes, as I've said before, stuff gets imposed on us. But a lot of our life is us. We have a choice whether we follow our sinful desire or whether we follow the Spirit of God. And if you've been following one or the other, you can change. It's okay. Have a think about your heart. If you find yourself not being a truthful example of Jesus in a situation, if you find yourself, yeah, that probably wasn't very Christian. I'm sure you've thought that. I think that sometimes. Ah, I could have done better. I didn't represent him well then. That, that, that wasn't a good part in me. I, I need to get that part out. Not doing something you're proud of, not being someone you're proud of. Your soul needs some restoration. Time is needed in the presence of Jesus. Not enough food in the natural makes you weak, but it's okay, you eat. Put food in, bring sustenance. It's the same with your spirit. Not enough spiritual food in your week makes you weak, which causes a temptation, uh, overwhelming moment sometimes but it's okay just start eating more food start reading start praying start worshiping start giving enjoy the gathering enjoy church love one another lean in serve the people around you how would you respond to the people in this moment is peter's there have a think about your heart. There's a lot going on in your heart. We feel in our heart. We love in our heart. We have desires in our heart. We dream in our heart. We hear voices in our heart. There's a lot going on in our heart. It's also desperately wicked, which means you have a heart within you that has a leaning, a bent, a desperation towards evil, towards wickedness. 
I can prove it to you. I'm sure at one point in your life, you're like, whoa, like you did something or you thought something that even shocked you. You're like, whoa, where did that come from? It came from your wicked heart. Don't be your own judge. Wisdom is found in counsel amongst people. If you're your own oracle, it's a dangerous place to be in. Have a look at this, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 to 10. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine every secret motive. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. You know, when you thought that thought and it shocked you <laughs> or you did that thing and, and you're like, man, did I just do that? Like you literally just did something. Like you chose to do it. You, you, you actively engaged. And you're like, who even am I? And you're like, am I even saved? <laughs> like, am I even a Christian? Like, how can I think like that of someone else? Like, you know what? I think everyone's been there and done that. And if you haven't, well, you have. You just, your heart's deceiving you because it's deceitful above all things. Thank God for Jesus. That's what Paul said. What a wretched man am I. Thank God for Jesus. Church, it's okay. What shouldn't be in your heart, don't focus on what shouldn't be in there because it will be in there. It will consume you. It's proven. Lots of studies. Focus on what should be. Focus on the light, because the light expels the darkness. Darkness cannot remain in light. Relax, breathe. Jesus died for you. You got the cross as your proof. Proof that he loves you, and he died while you were still sinners. While you were still evil, he died for you. It's proof that he loves you, and he loves humanity. Repentance is a gift. Get up, go again, try again. It's okay. Jesus is the answer. God, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit, a loyal spirit. You know, David prayed that prayer in a moment prostrate before the Lord when the prophet Nathan come to him and caught him out as an adulterer, someone passing judgment over the person in the story who had stolen the sheep and Nathan goes, it was you. You stole that person's sheep. You committed the murder. He'd looked at a woman. He'd desired after her. He'd wooed her over. He slept with her. She became pregnant. So he orchestrates the murder of one of his most loyal and courageous and brave mighty men so that he's killed. And after all of that, in a repentant moment before God, he prays a prayer that we're going to pray today, God, create in me a clean heart, renew in me a right spirit. Psalm 51 verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit in me. Loyal to God. You know, the role of the heart in the natural, as I said before, is to pump out oxygen and blood to every part 
of your body. And it delivers waste products, all the bad carbon dioxide back to the lungs to be removed out of your body. It's doing a lot. Your heart consists of four chambers, each separated by valves which direct the flow of blood. And so it is spiritually, my friends. What Jesus shows us is the invisible God. He represents our Father. His love, His heart sacrificed, His body, His blood poured out. It's pumping blood out to serve us, to clean us by the blood of the Lamb. God's heart was broken and blood was spilled for the first time in the Garden of Eden. Jesus completed that work. Once for all time sacrifice. My friends this morning, let it flow. Don't stop the flow. There is a heartbeat of God and it is pumping blood and it washes you and I and it brings goodness to you and I and restores you and I and it cleans you and I. Think of the band to come up, please. Back to the first story in Acts. A lot went into this moment. Prayers were prayed, actions were seen, a lifestyle had been lived, culture was overthrown, kingdom culture was starting to break forth, prejudices were being torn apart. It's a good day in humanity. Educating discipleship was in full swing for Peter. This is a good day for mankind. Gentiles didn't have to become Jews to be saved. Gentiles, if you're wondering what a Gentile is, it's you. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Anyone who's not Jewish is Gentile. It's literally it. Jew, not Jew. Gentile. Everyone else. All of us. Now, no longer Jew nor Gentile. Neither nation, Greek, Hebrew, none of it the Bible says. Neither male nor female. One, children of God. That was one giant big heartbeat moment for humanity. Do you want people to go to heaven? Do you want people's lives to be better? Do you want your life to be the best that it can be? Do you want the lives of those around you to be the best that they can be? So Peter had a choice to go or not. Cornelius had a choice to obey or not. And the people that received, the family and the friends, had a choice whether they wanted to listen with a soft, open heart or not. So this morning, my friends, I want to encourage you to keep your heart soft. And if it's become a little hard, soften it again. Let the healing balm that comes from being in the presence of God soften you. Because it's not weakness, it's strength. Caring is strength. Loving, serving, doing, it is strength. I believe it's time to tend to your heart at the end of this year. I believe God has orchestrated today to set up a moment for us. I've asked the band to lead us in a time of worshipping Jesus. And then I'm going to be the worship leader. Just for a minute, Tiana. You can have it back. And we're going to go a little bit quiet, and then we're going to go really quiet. We're going to give God a moment. 
and allow Him to do what only He can do in us and on us. You don't have to be scared because He loves you. The cross proves that. And we've already got that. Christmas, it's why He came. For you. One life, one body. It's my final illustration. I had this great thought from a book that I'm listening to at the moment. And uh, there's an analogy of our body. And it starts with a car. Imagine if you were given an unlimited budget to purchase a vehicle. If it was me, I'd be super excited. I love cars. I love engines. I love them. And I love going sideways. It's just fun. It's a joy. I would find whatever is the most powerful thing on earth and that's what I would buy. But then there's a catch because you're not allowed to have any other vehicle until you die. You're allowed one vehicle. No budget, but that's the catch. You can have it, but that's the only vehicle you're ever allowed to have. You would meticulously service that thing. You would look after it. You would ensure that it was well-serviced, well-cleaned, well-maintained. Because if it's got to last until you die, like you're going to look after that thing well. Like there's going to be rules on rules about what goes in that car, who goes in that car, how that car gets used. Because it might be awesome, but it's got to last the whole time. Your body is your only body. God has gifted us with one temporal tent. And it has one heart. You have one life, one heart, one body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. What goes in this is important. What this does is important. You've got to tend to it and allow God to tend to it because He's the perfect mechanic. He's the perfect doctor. He's the perfect surgeon. He's the perfect psychologist. He is the perfect one because He knows everything about it. He designed you. He created you. He made sure that you are you. And He's got more for you. And with a soft and open heart to the things of God, there is more. You know, these people in this moment, they hadn't heard about Jesus. They just knew about God. And they were leaning in and they loved Him and they wanted more of Him. They were desperately waiting. God saw that and He showed up for them. And I believe that in this moment today, you can choose, church, to lean in and to step in and to allow blood to flow and wash over you and wash you clean. And to allow the Spirit of God to flow over you and to energize you, to restore you from something. Whatever it is, He knows. And today, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to worship. And I want you to have full freedom in this moment to engage in this altar call in any way you want. If you're one of those that it helps you by responding physically and coming to the front, go for that. But if that's a barrier, I don't want you to come to the front. I want you to stay in your seat because He's here. He's in the room. He's not just down here. He's everywhere. And I want you to spend a moment with God. 
We're going to worship Him. And then we're going to let Him do whatever He wants to do. Thank you, team. Let's worship. Come on, church, lean in. Tell him to take his place in your life. Tell him to take his place in your heart. Come on, take your place, Jesus. We want you, we need you. Jesus. Come on, as the band begins to just instrumentally worship right now, I want you to cry out that cry this morning. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, Jesus, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Come on, church, pray it out. Declare it over your life. Speak it out. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh, Jesus, 
do what only you can do right now, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, have your way in our hearts, in our minds. Restoration in Jesus' name. Healing balm in Jesus' name. Jesus, you see it all and you love us. You love us. Oh, Jesus, help us create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit, Lord. Come on, just keep your eyes closed in this moment and let Him work on you. Words you've spoken over your life. Thoughts you've thought about your spouse that have carried death rather than life. Thoughts that you've entertained that aren't godly. They were all pinned to the cross. All of them. evil thoughts, evil desires that you have carried, that you have struggled with, temptations that you have entertained and you've tried to work out ways that you can engage without getting caught. All of it pinned to the cross. The evil things you've wished upon another human being. The hurt, the harm or putting someone else down to lift yourself up. The actions you've committed, the regrets you've accumulated, the shame you feel, all of it taken by your Jesus and pinned to the cross. Create in us, Lord, a clean heart. Renew in us a right spirit. Jesus, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you that as King of all kings and Lord of all lords, you chose to come down and to take your place as servant of all creation. God, we thank you that you took it all, every thought, every deed, everything that we might be brave enough to pray out for and everything that we will take to our graves, you took it all. Jesus, this morning, I pray that your freedom would flow in this place right now in Jesus' name. Oh, Holy Spirit, that you would set us free right now in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, from those bondages of thought, from the strongholds that the enemy has built up to exalt themselves over our King Jesus, we ask that they would be torn down 
right now in Jesus' name. God, we plead your blood over our minds, over our hearts, over our lives in Jesus' name. God, that that blood that washes us whiter than snow, let it flow in Jesus' name. God, those that have put an umbrella up in the Spirit, those that have struggled with you, with your love because of things that have happened. Oh, Lord, we ask this morning that you would help them to be brave and to put it all to the side, the things that we carry, that we've accumulated. Lord, help us to lay them down at your feet that we can receive. Jesus' name. healing balm right now into the every innermost part of our heart, Lord. Restore that crack. Restore that hurting soul in Jesus' name. Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you for your love. Despite it all, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love. Thank you that you are waiting right now in joy for us to spend all eternity with you. Your heart's desire, Lord Jesus, is us. Lord, I pray that come the end of the year, that this week, that the world around us would know why you came. How much you love them. Lord, that we would take this moment this morning that we would believe it, that we would drink deeply of the Spirit. Let it quench the thirsting souls right now in Jesus' name. And I pray this week that it's going to overflow, that we are going to see testimonies this week. We're going to see things being restored, reconciliation this week in Jesus' name. Lord, we are going to see moments of generosity that are going to shock the world around us. Jesus, thank you for the cross, the proof, the proof of your love, the proof that you love all humanity. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Take your place. Right now, with every eye closed, if you're a Christian, I want you to be praying in this moment. Let's push back the enemy. And if you're in this room and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, well, He wants one with you. He loves you. He cares about you. 
If that's you, today I want to encourage you right now just to raise your hand, reach out to Jesus. Thank you, I see your hand. You can put it down. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. If you've never given God a go, give Him a go. You've got nothing to lose, everything to gain. He cares about you. He wants you and He wants the best for you. And He wants you to want to do life with Him. I'm going to look across the room one more time. While everyone's eyes are closed, between you and God, I want you to raise your hand right now. If that's you. Thank you, Lord. Church, would you pray this out loud and proud with me? Dear Jesus, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. I give my life to you. I give every day to you. Take my life and make it the best that it can be. I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.